Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Well, good morning, everyone. You're tuned to Community Radio 3CR. Time is just after 7.30 and, of course, you're tuned to the 3CR Gardening Show. My name's Pam Vardy and in the studio this morning, of course, we are celebrating International Women's Day, which means that we have a whole team of women specially uh, to celebrate the day. Good morning, Virginia Haywood. Good morning, Pam. It's not only International Women's Day, but it's also my daughter's birthday. And she is a daughter. And she is a daughter. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> I was very pleased she was born on International Women's Absolutely. Day. Absolutely. Yes, you kept the tradition alive. Absolutely. Well done. <laughs> Mind you, it was a fairly major effort to keep the tradition alive, so good on you. <laughs> yes, it's not easy. It's lucky we don't remember it properly, isn't it? Ah, <laughs> oh dear, we all have so have to say a very good morning to Diana Sargent from Silky's Rose Farm in Clonbernane. Good morning, Diana. Good morning, Pam, and good morning to the listeners. What a lovely morning. Yes, so you said you came down through a bit of fog? I did, uh, yeah, all the way right up into the city, Um but, uh, yeah, we can expect that now. We start mm. to get that kind of weather. And, uh, yeah, it was it was a cool morning up there. And uh, I got into the Smith Street um, stoplights here and I realised I was carrying a passenger, this bloody great big huntsman. Ah. But fortunately it was on the outside of the vehicle and not sitting with me. <laughs> It still gave me something to think about and woke me up promptly. Oh, absolutely, yes. I've decided that's the main reason I had a daughter, so she could remove the huntsmans from my house. There you go. (laughs) I can't bear them and she's so brave. I was just saying to Diana, they're they're around a bit at the moment. Mm. I've seen about three of them in the house, so yeah. And they're getting bigger, I'm sure. Oh, they are. Yes, I agree with you, Virginia. They (laughs) definitely definitely are getting bigger and uh, (laughs) furrier and, uh, yeah, but we don't kill them. Uh, oh, no. We purposely, we, uh, we remove them from the house, uh, usually the shower. Uh, so it's a, you know, a naked run from the shower <laughs> to the back door. Or, you know, sharing the shower with a huntsman, no, is not fun. No, definitely not I fun. I found one above my bed the other day. Oh, uh, no, no. Sylvie! <laughs> No, ah, no. dear. We also have to say a very good morning to Sue Stevens, who's head propagator out at uh, Bushland Flora Nursery. Good morning, Sue. Good morning, Pam and listeners. How are you? Good, thank you. And thanks for coming in this morning. Great to have you back on air. Thank you very much. Okay. Well, as I say, we've got an all-girl program this morning, so uh, lots in store. And um, a little later in the program, we're also going to be discussing... Um, Discussing the actual role of women in horticulture because, um, well, looking just looking at, at all three of you, you each come from different facets of the horticultural industry and, uh, of course, it's a, quite a broad industry but it's a very dominated male industry uh, by and large and a lot of people who are working in the industry work in comparative isolation. So we're going to be talking also... Uh, about a group that's uh, that's now been running for a few years called Encouraging Women in Horticulture, which aims to sort of give women, um, you know, a, a, a group to get together to do some networking, to feel like they're not alone when they're when they're stuck in the back blocks of the nursery, propagating all day every day, as you'd probably know, yes. Sue. Yeah. But anyway, more of that to come. What I'm going to do first of all, of course, as usual, is get to some of our community announcements and. Um, 
Virginia, I know you were there yesterday. Fernie Creek. Fernie <coughs> Creek. The it, Fernie Creek Horticultural Society have got their annual Plant Collectors and Garden Expo on today. And I have to say, I enjoyed it enormously. There are all my favourite growers there. I was there with Greg from Longinimus Plants. He always has lots of unusual rare plants, so it, he, I love his stuff. Both the um, Yaminas were there, Country Farm Perennials, mm-hmm. Lamley. In fact, Greg was straight opposite Lamley, so that was nice, just wandering between the two stalls. I enjoyed that a lot. And we arrived in rain and fog, but there were still heaps of people, and it was a lovely day. It's just so nice to see some of those more unusual plants. I mean, Greg had all these plants that didn't look very good in pots because a lot of our best plants... Don't, don't look, look good, good in pots. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. And, you know, you can't buy them because they don't look pretty if they're in the Bunnings pot. Well, yeah. I want ones that look pretty in the mm. garden, not in the Bunnings pot. Exactly. So what people need to do is actually have a chat to the stall holders and find out exactly what they're selling, what might be really appropriate appropriate for a spot you have in your own garden that you're looking for something which you mightn't recognise while it's sitting there in a pot on a bench. Mm. Well, he's got these physostegia, white physostegia, and I think they're beautiful in the garden. But, of course, in the pot they're draping and falling over the edge. And Yes, so you ask. Mm. And that is the thing about going to Fernie Creek. There are so <coughs> many real specialists there. It is absolutely fabulous. Mm. Now, it's running from 10 o'clock this morning through to 4 o'clock this afternoon. It's $5 entry. Uh, children under 14 are free. Um, as we said, of course, there's rare plant sales, but there's also garden tools, botanical artist, wood turning, book sales. There's light luncheons and refreshments. There's a sausage, sausage sizzle. Whoa, I can't say it first thing in the, the morning. S- the sausages the sausage were... sizzle. <laughs> they were really nice sausages too. Okay. So, um, or you, you're welcome to bring your own picnic because the gardens yes. there are just gorgeous. Very beautiful. Um, there's going to be informative guided garden walks around the gardens there. There's ample free on-site parking. Um, and I say it's all happening up at Fernie Creek Horticultural Society. Their address is 100... Hilton Road in Sassafras, the east end of Hilton Road. Melway's reference there is 66E12. Now, uh, the next reminder I should give listeners, um, if you were listening last week, you would have heard about the uh, the special happening this weekend in uh, many of the uh, nurseries, uh, not only around Victoria but also uh, nationally, because it is Garden Relief Weekend. Now, this is where the garden centres are actually um, providing all sorts of um, workshops. They're selling anything uh, blue, blue-related flowers. I think most of the staff are wearing blue. Um, if they have a cafe, they're tending to sell blue food like blueberry muffins. Or And, of course, all this means that funds raised are going to Beyond Blue. And it's to uh, partly, not only to support Beyond Blue, but also to highlight how good gardening is for us, for our our physical and mental health. And, I mean, us as gardeners know that. We're out there in the fresh air. we're, We're getting some exercise. But it's also... I mean, it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. Once you get out in the garden, it's, it goes. It goes. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. So, um, so uh, the whole aim of garden relief is to highlight all of this, Virginia. Of course, one of the things when I came back to Melbourne after being in London for twenty years, 
I thought, what am I going to do? And I'd spent 10 years at the House of Commons. I used to get phone calls at 2 o'clock in the morning, 5 o'clock in the morning. Plants never ring you up at night time. Mm. (laughs) The only downside is when the water runs out in February. Yes. Mm. But, you know, it is just, it is so good for your headspace when you just, your brain is going round and round and round and you go out in the garden, you go for a walk, you think, ah, must do that. It just slows you down. Absolutely. Now, also, as part of today, uh, or this weekend, I should say, Botanica World Discoveries have provided customers with a chance to enter a competition (coughs) and you could win nearly $5,000 worth of travel voucher with Botanica World Discoveries. So uh, the entry details are in store and... uh, as I say, look for look for the entry forms if you go to your nearest nursery. If you want to find out which nurseries are participating, you can go to the website, which is www.gardenrelief.com.au, and relief is spelt R-E-L-E-A-F. Mm. So that's gardenrelief.com.au, and uh, all that information will come up uh, for you. Um, I might add that uh, Bullane Art and Garden are combining garden relief with their Autumn Harvest Festival, uh, which means that not only did they start yesterday, but they're running right through to the 15th of March, which gives you a week to get out to, uh, to their nursery. And during that time, they're also, as well as all the workshops and free gardening talks, uh, they're going to be offering 20% to 50% off the entire produce range. So... Uh, so that's a little more incentive to head along to, uh, to a nursery. Now, today also uh, we have the Reedsdale Bush Market on. Uh, this is in Agnes Mudford Reserve, uh, which is in the Kyneton Heathcote Road in Reedsdale. Now, uh, they've got all sorts of uh, stalls there ranging from local produce, uh, including wine and beer tasting. They've got olives, apples, honey, jams, chutneys, preserves, cake stall, plenty of plants, uh, through to clothing, fishing tackle, tools, photography, all sorts of crafts, including stained glass sun catchers and fused glass wind chimes. And on the list goes. There's a barbecue lunch there, coffee and lots more. So uh, if you'd like uh, any information um, before it gets going, you could ring Alwyn and her number is 0419-513-976. So just again, that's the Agnes Mudford Reserve. It's at 2631 Kyneton Heathcote Road out there in Reedsdale. Now, also uh, down at uh, the Royal Botanic Gardens in Cranbourne, there... um, Australian Textile Exhibition is continuing, uh, but only until um, until uh, the Labor Day holiday. So that means that uh, tomorrow, March the 9th, is the last day of the exhibition. So if you'd like to go and have a look at uh, some stunning uh, textiles made with under the Australian sun fabrics, uh, designed by the internationally renowned Lisa Chandler... Uh, but uh, not only will Lisa be present, but there'll be all sorts of other Australian fabric artists included there as well. It's completely free of charge to go and have a look at that exhibition and, of course, while you're there, make the most of it and have a wander around the Australian garden there. Now, uh, a few things coming up uh, during the week. Uh, Friends of Burnley Gardens have got their next talk coming up on the 11th of March. 
And this is a talk with Penny Woodward and one guess what she's talking about, Garlic the Great. <laughs> so uh, she'll be discussing how to grow, harvest, cure and store it as well as its many cultivars and uses. <coughs> now, the, it starts at 7 for a 7.30 start. Of course, it's taking place down at Burnley College, which is at 500 Yarra Boulevard in Richmond. 7 o'clock for drinks and nibbles, 7.30 for the talk. Cost is $5 for members. For non-members, $15. And as I say, uh, it's on Wednesday, next Wednesday, the 11th of March, you do need to book for catering purposes, and the number there is 9035-6861, or you can email a.smith at unimelb.edu.au. Just a couple more I should mention, and I will come back to a few more a bit later because there's quite a lot happening at the moment. Um, but uh, there is... Um, the uh, Australian Garden History Society have organised a Yarra Valley coach trip to Lubra Bend. Now, this is happening next Thursday, the 12th of March. The coach departs 9am from the National Gallery of Victoria in St Kilda Road there, returning approximately 5pm. Now, you're invited to join uh, the group for a relaxing day in the Yarra Valley, visiting Lubra Bend, the home of uh, one of the members, Rosemary Simpson, it's an ancient bend in the Yarra River and home to the Wurundjeri people uh, who named it Lubra Bend in the 1860s uh, and uh, the newspaper proprietor David Syme was involved with the, uh, with the property. Now, um, the Stokes family, who over their 40 years there established the garden, planted the trees in Cypress Hedge and built the Guilfoyle Bell-designed home. Uh, so Bob and Rosemary Simpson bought the property in 1999. The house and garden have been extensively restored and rebuilt during the 10 to 15 years. Uh, and on it goes. So lots to see. And uh, if you head on, out on the trip on Thursday before heading home, you'll also go and visit Alwyn Gardens and Golf Station. Now, the cost for uh, members of the Australian Garden History Society is $90. For non-members, $100. And you can book through trybooking.com forward slash capital G-S-T-N. But if you'd like more inquiries, uh, you can phone Lisa Tuck. Her number is 0418-590-891. Alwyn Gardens is really worth... Is a it? visit. It's fabulous. Okay. Well, you get that thrown in as well. So three gardens in all. So Sounds pretty good sounds to me. Sounds like a great trip, yes. Um, I do have uh, plenty of other announcements, but I think we might come back to those in a little while. You've got one there, Virginia? I've got one which I think is worth an, an announcement. It's the Herb and Chili Festival in Wandon. It's um, the 14th and 15th of March. I was talking to one of my neighbours in Seville last weekend and she was saying the one thing she regretted last year was she didn't get there earlier. Okay. She said the whole day is absolutely fabulous. There's wonderful music. So I think it's a really good idea to try and catch that if you can. It's the 14th and 15th of March. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Um, I should just very quickly mention because this one is on next Sunday just to give uh, listeners a chance to plan for it if they want to go down. Uh, the Murdoch family are, again, very generously opening Cruden Farm Garden 
to the Friends of Baker IDI Heart and Diabetes Research. Now, it'll be open from 10am to 3pm. There'll be uh, chamber music, interesting plant and provender stalls. Uh, There'll be a fascinating glimpse into Dame Elizabeth's garden philosophy over eight decades from her friend Anne Latrail. And there'll be special special garden tours with John Christie. Uh, And, of course, any uh, funds raised are going to support uh, Baker IDI Heart and Diabetes Research. So that's next Sunday down at Cruden Farm uh, from 10am through to 3pm. Okay, well, it's high time we invited our listeners to join us. If you'd like to ask a gardening question this morning, do give us a call. Um, Of course, we have Diana Sargent here who can answer anything about roses. We have Sue Stevens who would be more than happy to talk to you about Australian native plants. And, of course, Virginia... Who will not mention salvias. (laughs) Really? (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) But do give us a call. The number is 9419... 0155. That's 94190155. Did you indulge in uh, any plants yesterday? I swore, I swore I wouldn't, but yes, I came back. I, I got a couple from Greg because I just couldn't help myself. I've got another ferula. I've got one of them. It's called the giant fennel, and it's a lovely, very feathery. You know how the fennel leaf is feathery? Yes. It's a very feathery plant. And then after three years or so, it throws up a, sort of a five-foot flower, really wow. yellow flower. It's very pretty, I think, just for the foliage because yep. it's quite a grey-green, very feathery foliage. gets quite big, but things can easily grow through it. And then it throws up this massive flower. Then it promptly dies, but it seeds, and you've got plenty more. Yes. So you either collect the seeds and sow them or just leave it in situ, and, of okay. course, they come up. Okay. As most monocarpics will, they will... They will seed well if they're mm-hmm. going to die after flowering. Mm. And it's a lovely thing. I really, really like it. I'm becoming very fond of grey in my garden. Mm. Okay. I like it. And, of course, grey is usually so drought tolerant too. Exactly. Yes, exactly. so ideal. So what exactly have you got there, Sue? You've picked this up. This is actually the plant this that is uh, Virginia's talking about. Okay. Yes, yeah. It's quite a decent size already and yeah. it's going to get massive, it's, isn't it? It's one of the things about Greg's plants. He, I mean, the other thing I bought from him is an aster. Now, I mean, asters, you can easily buy asters, but I bought an aster that is already about a two foot high and I have not planted one aster successfully in my garden, not because they won't grow, but because the rabbits won't leave them alone. Oh, okay. So I've bought a big one from Greg and I'll put okay. that in and see if its size will turn the rabbits off. I yeah. think you might need a tree guard as well. Mm. I, I have got one. so many trees. Yes, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> My garden is full of pots without bottoms that are protecting plants. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But the rabbits, they've change. now taken to digging great huge burrows in, in actually in the garden. Yes. Mm. There are so many of them. Yes. Actually, one of these burrows that Virginia's talking about is in our, um, one of the new gardens that we've made down by the red shed. And I said, I'm going to make a sign that says, enter here, please, because <laughs> it is so prominent. <laughs> this big rabbit hole right in the centre of the, the garden. garden. Goodness me. Uh, and it's huge. It looks like it's a wombat hole. It's yeah. so big, but it's not. It's just the rabbits, like the huntsmen, are getting bigger and bigger. Uh. <laughs> and, I just, and I'm too scared to poison them. Yes. Because you know, oh, we've got yeah. wedge tails and all sorts oh, of... Oh, you can't. And I just don't know what, whether, whether the poison will stay in the body and then poison the cat, dog, 
Yes. Whatever. Fox. That's yeah. exactly right. Or yeah, bird that eats it. Yes. Mm. Yeah. So, you know. Very dangerous. Mm. And I might because we're sort of I'm 16 acres which means for shooting them you've got people you've got houses fairly close I mean bullets travel an awful long way yes so I'm not very happy about anyone except a very experienced shooter shooting mm. I have had the ferreters in I was going to say mm. know anyone with ferrets but there's so many I have seen two black rabbits when I jillarooed back in 1970 the old geezer on the property said if you see a black rabbit you know there's a thousand before it because it's a recessive gene. Well, I've seen two black rabbits on my property. Right. Wow. So I was suicidal in February, in February because you had the garden my, tank, opening. <laughs> my tanks were dry. Yes. yes. And now I'm suicidal because the rabbits are digging up my whole garden. Yes. Wow. Yes. Mm. No, they're incredible. They're, they're Shocking. We've got an explosion of rabbits this year in our garden. I mean, the, the, you've watched the little ones just get up a little bit for, you know, in size and then there's a whole explosion of another lot yeah. of little mm, ones. Mm. Yeah. And, and they're so tame. Mm. They do leave my salvias alone. That's interesting. And they do leave the penstemons alone. There you go. You've mentioned <laughs> salvias. <laughs> I knew we'd get it out of it. <laughs> but they, yes. I mean, anything small. Okay. And I've. I've put in a Strobilanthes gold fussia. I've put in about five, and all of them, uh, just they just get eaten. And I've got you know got them protected. Take the protection off. Back down they go. Put the protection back on. Up they go. Yep. Yeah. Take it off. Back down they go. Okay. It's just there's certain things that I've just given up on. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I actually have rabbits in my garden, and I'm in well, not total suburbia, but it's certainly not out in the bush. Um, digging holes everywhere in my garden. And one of the things, too, I've found is when I plant broccoli, the rabbits actually come up into my back garden to eat the broccoli. Oh, yeah, so um, it's not good. And they don't eat silver beet. Don't they? They don't eat oh, silver okay. beet. No, and that when doesn't I had, surprise me. I, yeah, that would be And when I had correct. a peacock, mm. the only thing he didn't eat was silver beet. Is that right? Mm. I actually mm. don't eat silver beet anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell you a very nice – actually, it's not a very nice story – I used to love silver beet, and every Monday night, Mum used to do um, rissoles, mashed potatoes, and silver beet. And, and Alan calls it Mother's Revenge if I dish up silver beet. <laughs> anyway, I'd cook the silver beet, and I was ready to cut it up finely, and then I thicken it with magi and whatever. But then it had all these red areas, and I'd cooked orbweb spiders in my oh. silver beet. And ever since then, I have not been able to eat silver yeah. beet. <laughs> It is an idea to wash the silver beet first, Sue. And they were quite large spiders, so they turn red when you cook them. Oh, Oh, no. (laughs) We've got kangaroos up in the actual rose nursery. Have you really? And uh, can't see any evidence of them eating nor the flowers or the plants at all. Um, A few pots are tipped over where... Obviously, they've walked through in the night. Yes. Um, and the other interesting feral that I've got in the garden is uh, yabbies that have uh. literally walked across the earth some to get to this. It's a point where the irrigation system is, all the solenoids oh, are right. set in the ground. Yes. And there was an event I had left a tap on, so water went into the solenoid zone. And the following day, they'd come across the earth, they'd dug this enormous hole, and then they'd started to scrabble all the... What, what drew me to it was the mud 
that they'd drawn out the other side of this okay. hole. Oh, it was fascinating. Good heavens. So they must travel across the they ground. Do. They do, because I get um, them in my garden. Fiona's really got them in yeah. her garden. Fascinating. Because it's a cooler garden mm. than mine. Yeah. yeah but but I've very got, interesting. I've got kangaroos, and they never, yeah. ever touch the garden. But John Newtsteeg is just down from me, and he's got the wallabies. And, they, and they're the deadly ones. They're deadly. Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. They will eat your whole garden. They'll mm. decimate everything in sight. Mm. Is that right? Yeah. Mm. And they go into his roses. Yep. Okay. Not okay. happy. Actually, Dad's, okay. had to, Dad's up at Hillsville and he's actually had to put, um, he has the same problem. He was saying it was the smaller wallabies had to actually fence off all of his rose garden. Otherwise, it just couldn't yeah. eat yes. them. Yeah. Well, I don't know that they could jump our fences. Uh, we haven't just got strain wire fences. We've got covered fences. So they're rabbit proof, our fencing. That's the real uh, to thing a I large regret. Degree. Mm. Yeah, to I a large degree. Yeah, to a large degree it's a rabbit proof. Um, so small wallabies, I doubt whether they'd jump our fences. I know the small kangaroos can't. Yes. Um, so we might be, safe. you know, well protected and safe from them because I have seen uh, black wallabies coming closer to our property. They used to be sort of kilometres away, five, six kilometres away, but mm. we saw a dead one there the other day, which means that obviously... They're uh, they're they're in our zone. Yes, but highly unlikely that they could jump our fencing. Yeah. Well, mm. you're very lucky, Diane. Yeah, good for, for sure. Yes. Mm. Okay, let's go to our first caller, and we have uh, Peter online from St Kilda. Good morning, Peter. Good morning, guys. Um, I've got a property in St Kilda, so it's you know it's on a block of flats, but the garden beside our driveway, I've planted um, silverbeet. Right. Uh, it's going feral. Yes. Um, there's the Italian parsley is, and I've got curly parsley going feral now. I'm just trying to figure out what other things would like this sunny thing. I'm thinking about rhubarb at some stage. Right. But um, the silver beet, some of the silver beet have gone to seed at present. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering whether to cut that. No, leave them go and you'll get more. Well, uh, there's some that haven't bolted yet. Right. I'm just wondering whether to let them go to all that. Get rid of the other seed. Let the ones that haven't bolted. No, eat the ones that haven't bolted. Leave the bolting ones to seed your garden. Well, I'm wondering whether I'm going to get a better kind of crop if I let the slow bolting ones to uh, seed and use those seeds. I don't think, personally, I don't think it makes any difference. I have silver beet marching down through my lemon grove. Right. If I don't mow it, it'll move into the paddock, but I keep right. mowing it okay. down. I don't think it makes any difference. The other thing that would be good to plant in there at the moment, if you eat it, is coriander. Yeah. Coriander bolts in Very summer, good. but it won't bolt now on. But plant seed, don't plant little plants. It doesn't. It hates moving. So, And if you do plant little plants and it bolts, we'll just let those... Obviously, you can eat some of the seeds, and the green seeds are delicious in a salad. But also um, always let the seeds fall because coriander is much happier if it's plant, grown from in situ from seed. Yeah, okay. And the rhubarb's a great idea. Yeah, well, that's later on the year. Yep, yep. You just need to, uh, to really prepare your soil well before you plant the rhubarb because they're very hungry plants, so you need lots and lots okay. of... Um, well, I've got buckets of... Uh, I've filled up those you know, mayonnaise tubs uh, horse manure oh, yes. last adjustment place in St Kilda. Yep. From one of the guys who does the uh, horses in the city. Mm-hmm. You know, the trolleys and stuff. So I've got about five buckets, of, you know, 20 litre buckets of horse manure. Perfect. 
Okay, so okay, so it's well rotted. Yes, perfect. Um, the only the only other thing I might mention is that your curly parsley has the most incredibly huge root system. Yeah. <laughs> so if you ever want to dig it out, you're in for a fairly big job because the, it has big tap roots that go down a heck of a yep. long way. The other question with this is there was a petrostrum that has lamb's tail coming out of it, growing in, in the root, but I've noticed the other day someone's cut the um, petrostrum off. Uh, I was afraid to actually use any Roundup or anything like that. On yes, it. yes. But uh, now that the petrostrum's gone... Good riddance. Let, let, let it come up, spray, <laughs> gently spray it and uh, try and get rid of the lamb's tongue. You don't want the the lamb's tongue. No. No. Okay. Well, lamb's tail. Oh yes. Yeah, it's, it's, you know. It's you mean that grey leafed? Um, it has the little tails. That, you know, when the vine goes up, it develops little, well, little lamb, what they call lamb's tail. I think it is. I forget its name. You're, you're not talking about horse tail, are you? No, this is one that. Is it a climber? Climate, yeah. Oh, okay. I, I was reading in one garden book that uh, it only grows in neglected gardens. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I would just keep pulling it out. Mm. But also, anything, anytime you cut something like the petrostrum, if you paint um, Roundup on it, then so you're not spraying it, so it's not going to get into other things. Yeah. But if you paint it onto an open wound, it'll go down into the plant quite Quickly, thoroughly. Okay, thanks very much, guys. Okay, good on you. Bye. Except I've tried that on, uh, oh, what is it? That spiky plant that we see everywhere now. All of a sudden the name escapes me. I'll have to think about it. I've tried to put paint roundup on it and it will not die. It definitely will not die. Mm. So I'm at a loss to know what to do with it and it just spreads. Okay. Every tiny little piece that I dig up out of the ground, um, I've, I've actually left it exposed up on a tree stump and gone back, and it's actually growing. Mm. Good with no With no soil. Is no. this a succulent of some sort? Yeah, well, it's what everybody's planting now. It's everywhere. Everywhere. Not flax, that horrible New well, Zealand it's like flax. That, yeah. But yeah, it's like that. Mm. Yes, well, some oh, things. Despairing, <laughs> anyway. Oh, dear. Well, it, and yeah. it certainly doesn't work on, on my oxalis. Roundup doesn't? No. I remember listening to Stephen years ago said uh, the way to get rid of oxalis um, with Roundup is to spray it when it's flowering. Mm, so it takes it, takes and, it in more thoroughly. Yeah, and I have been successful with that. Um no point unless it's flowering. Um, and another area, I had a flat area that was not... It didn't matter. I put uh, just plain salt on it, and that worked very, very well. So that's another thought. But, of course, you can you only do wanna, that. you don't want to do that right round your garden. Absolutely not. No. And you have to be very careful how yes. and where um, paths and stuff like that that don't have runoff over to a garden bed, you mm. can do it. Mm. But, yeah, you do need to be careful and you, you want to monitor what you're doing. Yes, exactly. Um, but it does work. Mm. The, the salt a, definitely does. I've got a friend who does her tennis court with salt, which strikes yeah. me as long-term an idiotic thing to do. But she says, oh, but it's so cheap, she says. Oh, no, you have to think <laughs> but before isn't you the, just... But isn't the core of Roundup salt as well? 
glyphosate. Yeah. I don't know. I See, I don't use much of it. When I buy no, it, I, I only buy the one that's frog-friendly because I've got a lot yep. of frogs. Yeah, we're the aquatic-friendly one because yeah. uh, we're up, you know, near the uh, Sunday Creek. But yeah. It's, um, yeah, I, I believe it's a salt. Mm, could yeah. be. Okay. Diana, we're into autumn now, officially. Mm. That means that um, you must be sort of starting to think in terms of mail-order roses. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm pumping away at the computer every day trying to um, get the uh, website back in order. Right. Because it's been running, obviously, through the season with potted roses. So now, yeah, we're, uh, we're open for business on the, uh, on the internet, uh, rosesalesonline.com.au. And, uh, yeah, place your winter orders. Okay. Yeah, it's, uh, it does. It flows from one season to the next and it goes so fast. It's unbelievable. And yet, you know, I, I can't even get my head around bare-rooted roses at this point because the roses have been sensational this season. Mm. And they are so beautiful at the moment in the nursery. You know, we did a feed program there a couple of weeks ago and they responded beautifully. It was like, oh, thank God summer's done. <laughs> uh, you know, let's get on to and into autumn. And, and I, I just think the autumn for roses is just the best season. You see the real true colour of them. You know, they've come through that summer. They're full of energy. Uh, the flowers are large and lush and, yeah, it's it's really beautiful to mm. walk through a rose garden now. Mm. Uh, anywhere in the next, you know, eight weeks is just oh, heavenly. Fantastic. So, yeah, and the place does look really lovely up there. It's, uh, it's beautiful. Mm. And, of course, autumn is the ideal time for planting. So if, if people want to establish a new rose garden, yep. for instance, yep. They should really be starting to prepare their beds and, and thinking about the yep. whole thing because, you know, plant while the soil's still got some warmth to it. Yeah, and the beauty of that is, you know, I, I mean, I don't deny people the fact that, yes, you can buy bare-rooted plants and, yeah, they might be half the price of something that's potted, but I get so disappointed for people. They come with an expectation of this is the size of the flower or the colour of the flower or the perfume of the flower. They buy it bare-rooted and it isn't what they wanted. Yes. It isn't exactly, it doesn't meet their their criteria at all. Yes. When you see them in the pots, they you can smell the perfume. It's what you perceive the perfume to be. Yes, exactly. It's not what's written, you know, fluffy words <laughs> in a piece of paper that, you know, and go smell it yourself. Look at the flower, look at the, you know, the size of the bush. Mm. All of those things are really, really mm. important. And for that extra cost that you, you pay for a potted potted rose this end of the season, you get it in the ground now, give it a light trim in the winter, mm. you've got a fully established garden exactly. by spring. Yes. You know, it yes. doesn't, it sort of doesn't bear thinking yes. that you would hold off uh, the only reason I would hold off not planting now is because I maybe didn't have a garden bed that was ready. Mm. I think establishing a garden, you know, getting it prepared, you know, three, four weeks in advance autumn. is autumn just is such an ideal has to time. Be the, has to be yeah. the best time to plant yeah. autumn. I so agree. Mm. Mm. Definitely. I mean, you'd plant in summer if you had the water. Yeah. Oh, well, roses you, you can. Yes, yes cause cause I, can. I mean, I used to plant in summer when I Most lived in England. But Most definitely. It's, um, yeah, the soil's warm. Everything's, uh, you know, growing like mad. Great idea. It's mm. just but we yes, don't have right, the water. You've got to mm. have the water. Mm. 
Well, Sue's garden's open in a few weeks. You've got roses, haven't you, Sue? I do, but what I was going to say is I think I plant all year in my garden. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You mean yeah. you've still got room? Um, if she I, hasn't, make, I make room. Yeah, if she hasn't got room, she rips it out. Oh, I don't like that anymore. No. Bang, out it goes. Virginia was reading about the description of Steve and Ryan's garden and um, what was it called again? meant... Um, here we are, hovel, and about not having any spaces for weeds to grow. And mine is uh, probably the only places that I can't dig is there's tree roots or there's bulbs. Right. So when it is on the open garden, I'm going to have a sign up that says that I can't plant another plant here without disturbing the bulbs or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But it is on the open garden. So Should when be... when's it actually coming up, Sue? I have to look in the book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> actually, it's on the 11th and 12th of. April. April. Okay. That's same weekend um, as Tesla's. Oh, is it? Mm. Oh, that's good because I'm only 10 minutes from Tesla's. So well, maybe people can make a day of it. I know there what I'm go. going to do. I'm going to put the sign right up on the roundabout for the people on the way to Tesla's and point it back in the other direction. <laughs> <laughs> Cheeky girl. So um, my garden's called Christie's Bouquet and... Um, uh, the name Christy is because I actually my, I lost my daughter to cancer um, ten years ago, and her name was Christy. And um, what we were talking about with gardening for uh, Beyond Blue, mm. um, before Christy passed away, she's had these big windows and said, "Mum, can we put a little garden out the front with all the special things that I like in it, so that when I can't get out of bed anymore, I can look out the window onto the beautiful plants." So anyway, this, wonderful. this little garden started off about two metres by two metres and she actually picked salvias. So sorry, I mentioned <laughs> the salvias. So we have um, Waverly, Anthony Park, no, not Anthony Parker, it was actually a seedling and she a pensis and then her favourite flowers were pansies. So then we put little borders of pansies all around this area and then after sh- she passed away... Um, everybody gave me daffodils, miniature tete-a-tete daffodils because okay. it fell on near Daffodil Day. Right. So I got all of those people to actually plant those pots around in the small circle. Um, it is now half of my front lawn because <laughs> when I was really down in the dumps, I would go there and I had a little chair and I'd have a candle and um, I'd garden and... Um, as a consequence, my garden has just grown, and also any any anniversary, I actually went out and got a new plant, right? Preferably purple, yes. But it's actually been changed a little bit now. So, and probably about eighteen months ago, I revamped a lot of it I didn't like, and right. um, another excuse it. to pull things out. It was <laughs> yes, and I had a tree that was half fallen over that. Uh, I pushed over. <laughs> gave me more space. As you again. do. <laughs> yes. Anyway, I'll read about my garden. So they've actually uh, written a spacious garden of great diversity and a focus on sustainable practices. Um, mature trees, shelter beds featuring an eclectic mix of bird attracting natives and massed colourful perennials, including 80 species of salvias. Fruit trees, I only have three. I have a lime tree, a lemon tree, and a blood orange tree vegetables and herbs and most of the gardens actually been done from cuttings a lot of them out of Virginia's garden and Fiona's garden when I was doing their gardening and um, I also do a little bit of composting and recycling but um, with the money issue we're not particularly well off and my husband lost his job two years ago so 
um, all the new tables and chairs that I had uh, are from the rubbish collection. Okay. Yeah, he came back and he said, I found you another table for the back garden and more <laughs> chairs. And, all and she the... found some more in my my place today, which Sylvie took off the same hard rubbish collection. They're actually going to work so I can sit down while I have a cigarette. <laughs> Um, and lots of bricks. So when I find things, um, so it's all done. The only thing, I've probably only ever bought probably about three loads of mushroom compost and one lot of soil and the rest of it's all been done by collecting leaves and whatever I yes, can. Yes, right. Um, my children, uh, my son actually works for Bosch and he bought us $2,000 worth of equipment for Christmas and one of them is their new mulcher. Oh, and it actually wow. works very differently and it's actually a turning sort of system okay. that drags so you don't actually have to push um, any of the branches in. Um, but it actually grinds up hakea nuts and we have black cockies continually oh, knocking yes. those down yes. and with the leaves and everything it actually makes great compost. So Fantastic. Yeah, so that'll be open and we've got, um, as far as I know, I tried to organise a lady called Mari who'll be selling um, plants. She usually does. Um, she's she's up this weekend at Fernie Creek. Okay, so Fiona was trying to organise that and then we've got um, morning and afternoon tea. So and what which weekend is it again? This is the 11th and... 12th of 12th April. 12th of April, yes. So everybody has to go to Tesla's and then go to Sue's or go to Sue's and then go to Tesla's. Go to Absolutely. Sue's before they yes. spend all their money. money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and hopefully I might have it finished by then. Yeah. <laughs> you can't ever finish a garden. I was no. say, what's finished, what's done. <laughs> Absolutely. But how fitting that you should be in here on the program today when... when uh, we're running the garden relief program right through all the nurseries. That's that's very appropriate and just shows what gardens can do for people no matter what your situation. You can always go and dig in the soil and, and plant something or propagate something from a cutting. The other thing I find too, working full time, I'll say to Ellen, I'll come in and I'll do the housework later because the only thing that motivates me when I'm tired is to start doing the gardening. Right. And then once I've been in the garden for a while and seen flowers and things, then I can go inside and actually face the horrible mess. (laughs) (laughs) But I have a lovely sign. Mum said, oh, I like your sign. It says, my house was clean last week. Sorry you missed it. (laughs) Now, speaking of open garden schemes, one of our excellent listeners came up to me on the stall yesterday and because Greg has his nursery in Romsey, he said, do you know when the open garden scheme is in Romsey and where it is? And, you know, Greg didn't know, so I said, I promised I'd look it up for him and tell him on the air today because he always listens. Okay. He came to my open garden and it's the Crooked Road Estate, which is 126 Crooked Road, Romsey, which is just off the main road, just past Greg's nursery, so everyone can go to his nursery as well. And that's the 25th and 26th of April. Right, so that's the one in Romsey for one of our listeners. Okay. I must remind listeners that if you'd like to join us this morning, do give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. The number is 94190155. That's 94190155. Sue, before we um, talk about your plants, which we will do, tell us a little bit about um, Bushland Flora Nursery. Well, we're... I'm just, I didn't bring the brochure how long it started off, but Ian um, 
the person that I work for has a love of Australian plants. I don't know a lot of the background, but I think he started off in grasses. Okay. Um, and then progressed into propagating. Um, I've been there for, I think, nearly six years now. Mm-hmm. So uh, a lot of it is doing uh, plants for the councils, Indigenous planting. Um, and then we also do plants for the retail sector. And then we're also, our Ian's aim is to actually put Australian native plants onto the market that do look good in pots, but that have been trialled so that we know that they're actually reliable. Mm-hmm. Um, this year we're actually having a look at uh, the range that we do and having a look at also the cost factor. If they're hard to propagate and they're not hardy in the ground, looking at maybe deleting them. And then um, we've actually got a lot of new seedlings and it's really difficult to actually pick which ones. I'd like to do them all, probably about 10 new grevilleas. Okay. And um, trying to uh, breed plants that are more compact and different flowers and also um, some of them are actually going to have a different flowering season to um, the like some of them are actually flowering now instead of into the winter. Right. And um, also the corias, and I'm quite excited. We've got some really nice things happening there. Yeah, so it's basically about yeah trying to make more compact um, plants that mm-hmm. he actually puts under the Bush Magic range. Right. And then we do um, a lot of grasses and uh, lamandras and plants like that. One, yeah, of, one of Sue's corias and his delight... Is all through my garden because it's the one corrier the rabbits leave alone, and it's a lo- it's got a, quite a nice large flower. It's a, I, I'm really fond of it. Yeah, so. one of the ones that we're looking at is um, Annie's Delight. Actually, uh, isn't as compact. There's a lovely one on the market. I was going to bring it in, but I planted in my garden yesterday. I said to me, it's got going. Is Autumn Blaze, and Autumn Blaze is a quite a small corrier. But when it flowers, it's prolific, and we've actually crossed the two together. Okay. And we've got some seedlings just coming up now, having a look at that. I haven't tried mm. Autumn Blaze to see if it's rabbit-proof. It isn't. That's no. the one, like Orange Glow, that yes. every time we plant, plant it, it, bang, gone. And they pull it out of the ground and eat the roots. Mm. They leave the plant on the ground. You're joking. Goodness yes. me. But it's very, very busy at work. Mm. Um, yes. Hard to keep up. Yes, absolutely. And also experimenting, trying to find, um, you know, if, if a plant doesn't work, having mm. a look at maybe changing hormones and different sorts of cuttings, different times of the year. We've changed that actually quite a lot. We don't just um, use tip cuttings. And not with all plants, but with a lot of Australian natives, I've found if it's a special time of the year that you've got to do, um, say, the cuttings in spring, reverse the cutting. And you can do it from the harder wood in autumn. Yes, mm. because you can't always get the um, or have the time to do the to fit all the plants into the propagation schedule. Sure. And I do use Angus Stewart's book because I find it the best schedule. And I was talking to him the other day, and he's actually um, going to be releasing. And I don't know if it's out there yet. No, it's not. Um, a book on pla- um, indigenous plants mm. propagation, mm. yeah, which I'm really looking forward to getting hold of mm. because they're very diff- – I find them quite difficult Okay, yeah, to uh, to propagate. Probably too big as material um, if you don't have a stock garden and you're relying on um, – we have a lady who brings in cuttings from Langwarren. Um, she's got indigenous land, you know, that she preserves the natives – um, they're not getting the water sometimes, and to get the cuttings to strike, it's not always successful. Yes, sure. right. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm. Wow. 
Okay, let's go to, uh, let me see, we have uh, Marilyn who's in Sunshine. Good morning, Marilyn. Good morning. Look, I've just got a query about my plum tree. It's got little black slugs on it. I pull them off, but they're still there. I don't know what to spray it with. I don't like poisons or anything. Wood ash or talcum powder. Oh, okay. Or even even flour. Okay. It suffocates them. Yes. Without having to use any chemical sprays. Oh, great. Okay, thanks very much. Pear and cherry slug. Mm. And next year, have a, go out and actively look early, like in spring, because if you can catch it then with yes. lots of flour or whatever, uh, you won't get that big amount that you tend to get in autumn if you can catch it. Oh, okay. Because it comes twice in the year. So they'll attack my pear tree as well. Yes, yep. they will. And so your cherries. Okay, because I've only just put them in the last six months, so... Yes, well, I'd, I'd do an ins- a round of inspections today and, and just check that they haven't started on the pears or... Okay, then. No worries. Thanks very much for that. Okay. And is is that you. a question of just getting out in the yard with a with a sack of flour? Yeah. And yes. just Chuck, swinging it? it mm. just, and you don't have to worry about whether it's moist or... No. Like if the foliage was moist, no. it wouldn't matter? I just, I just get wood ash because we've got an open fireplace okay, in the so house. Do we. Yep. And I just get some of the wood ash and, and try and make sure I cover the whole tree. Okay. Um, and it just suffocates them and it works beautifully. You might have to do it again repeated okay. a few weeks later. So if you had a rain event, you would you absolutely would, you would do it repeat, again. right? But, but I found I, I had a big infestation last year. Um, I haven't had this year touch wood at all. But um, I found that the two applications was it, and they were gone, completely gone. Wow. They've got into my pseudocydonias, which I'm a bit upset about. Oh, really? Yeah, the Chinese quince. Yes. Because I, I propagated a whole lot of them. Right. And, and so it doesn't, it doesn't alter or interfere with photosynthesis? No. It's not going to harm the tree in any way, no. shape or form? No. That sounds marvellous. Just kills the slug. Marvellous. Yes, way to go. And it's such a prolific little bastard. Yeah, I know. Oh, yes. It is. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and is it is it sort of active? Will this work on any of the other caterpillar type? No. It okay. seems to be specifically for the pear and cherry slug. Mm. It's one It'd of the only ones I actually... doing some experiments with yeah. this it would sort be. of thing. It would be. It would be very, very interesting. See, I don't go for many of them. I, most of the... Um, Caterpillars at my place, I'm quite happy for them to turn into moths or butterflies. Okay. And I'm quite happy to share, but I'm not happy to share with pear and cherry slug. Well, I'd be interested to run, say, a, I've got a, an ornamental grapevine there. And they get and caterpillars. they get and the they caterpillar munch. on that and yes. they just absolutely decimate it. Now, yes. if I was able to, you know, I know they're there, um, and rather than pull them off and squish them, just sort of we'll try it. throw, that's By what I'm means, saying, I'll have and, a go at it. And, and give us some if, feedback. And I'll give you some feedback on it. Yeah, yeah fantastic. Very interesting. Okay. Mm. Well, we've got um, a break with callers, Sue. Let's have a chat about a couple of the plants you've brought in. And uh, while you're getting those up, I will remind listeners that number again, if you'd like to ring in and ask a gardening question this yeah. morning, do give us a call. The number is 94190155. That's 9419 0155. We are running through until 9.15 this morning, so we'd love to hear from you. Okay, Sue, what have you got there? Um, I have a Plectanthrus, which I'm excited about because I love Plectanthrus, and it's actually an Australian native, and Argentatus, which is your tall silver leaf uh, white flower, 
has crossed with a little ground cover that we had that's called Crenulus. And it's made a compact um, plectanthus ground cover that probably grows to no more than 20 centimetres tall, but it it lives and flowers without water in the full sun. Really? So you can, it actually grows more compact in the full sun. If you put it in the shade, it actually makes a flatter sort of ground cover. Yes. But it flowers, I reckon it's flowered for about four months of the year, but it has purple flowers. And and very long flower spikes that, that, that hold themselves erect above yeah. the, the foliage. So in the sun it stays like that. And um, we actually had it around a water tank and this seeded off into stones. So the seedlings were living in um, like pebbles. Right. Yes, yes. So, and it's really, really good. So we've called it velvet undercover because it makes like a, a, a velvet undercover. Perfect and it smells beautiful. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But beautiful it's a great foliage. Foliage, if you were, you know, into the grey green, that would be just and it's textile as well. So kids would love to feel the leaves. I'm sure, sure sure do. I I do think the plectranthus is a undervalued and beautiful, beautiful plant. Um, and there are a lot of native Australian plectranthus. I mean, most of them come from South Africa, but there are quite a lot here. I suppose the beauty in this is most of the, uh, not all of the plectranthus, but a lot of them have a higher uh, water requirement. And also have to be grown in um, the shade. But um, I had a lot of, unfortunately, didn't think when I did a lot of my garden last year and I had no leaves on my trees and then it became a shaded garden, didn't it? (laughs) So I thought, what am I going to do? And I went to work and thought, hmm, about time I had some of those. Um, But I kept going back. I've actually put about six of them in, but I've put them into my garden in different um, situations to actually see how see they, how perform. they perform, yep. and the, they're really um, trouble spots. So I've got the people next door have got privet okay. trees. Yes, uh, all the roots go into the ground. Yes, um, I dug the little hole, made it a little bit moister, but they're booming, and it's okay. a, it's really really great. Fantastic. Yeah. Mm. So at the end of the flowering, you just take off all the flower spikes. If you um, just keep nipping off these, they yes. actually re- just keep reshooting. Wow. Yeah. Yep, so mine have been flowering in the garden now for probably two months and this has still got a lot of flowering to oh, go. Oh, yes. Yeah. The yeah. other one I've, that I've got, which is um, Zuluensis, Plectranthus Zuluensis, oh. and that is beautiful, isn't it, it is. Sue? It is. Very blue. It's it's a sh- small shrub. No, mm. that's the um, pale mauve one. Zuluensis is the one that you've got at the end of the walkway. Yes, yes. Yeah. It, yes, it's but blue. Then, it's quite a blue colour. Yeah. And I, it's absolutely beautiful. Mm. But you've got another beautiful one too. Some of, yes, I've. I collect plectranthus, and I've got one that is so big, it's absolutely unbelievable. The, each leaf is the size of your hand. Right. And when it flowers, the flower is... And I've no idea where I've got it from, and I've no idea what it is. <laughs> and I haven't found anybody who can identify it. What I must do is take it into the botanic gardens. Take it gardens. into the gardens, yes. I'm, I'm a bit frightened I might have half-inched it from there, so it would be a bit embarrassing to take oh. it in there. <laughs> You could have got it from a lot of other sources. I doubt You probably did. I did. I'm sure I did. you did. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Let's go to uh, Pam, who's in Kyneton. Good morning, Pam. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Pam. Lovely morning. Yes. Going to be fresh today. I've got to get cracking. I'm going to the Lost Trades Fair today. Oh, okay. And given the amount of traffic and people in town yesterday, I'm leaving very early. (laughs) Right. Fair enough. Um, Diana... Red roses 
I have um, a Mr Lincoln, which is the best rose I think I've ever owned in all my life. It just has never been without a flower all summer. Yep. And I put in Camp David, which I which I like. Mm-hmm. And um, at the they've got the flower show on in Kyneton today, mm-hmm. the Garden Club is their flower show. And the lady there who had a lot of nice roses, she said that black velvet was a nice rose. What's your view of that rose? You should see her face. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. No? No, I'd prefer not to, not to go there. Look, if a lot of these older varieties now too, Pam, and I think you've probably heard me say this yes, before, they've lost that vigour. And yes. really, do we keep harping on them or do we step forward, move into some of the, the – there are some fantastic – new roses and the one that comes to mind in the dark red with the extraordinary perfume is a firefighter thornless long thornless stems uh, huge flowers huge perfume huge health All right. you know it just why go backwards yes oh, oh yes i agree and that's why when i heard you were on this morning i thought i oh, Diana will know I'll ask yeah. her. If, if a person had an old bush that was planted 25 years ago, mm. you'll probably find it is still producing beautiful flowers, doing everything exactly as you would expect a dark red rose to do and be. Um, but to buy one today, I'd say walk around that, go get uh, one of the new hybrid hybrid teas, you know, something with really good recent release Good hybrid vigour, health, uh, that's the way to go. And black caviar, I think that was another one, wasn't it? Black caviar is sensational, but it is a very large shrub. Uh, It's a shrub rose. It's not your ordinary hybrid tea rose. It doesn't have the same form. It has more the old-fashioned form, a swirling mass of petals. Mm. Um, And it's the only rose in my 30 years of growing roses that uh, a customer actually brought his pots back to the nursery and said, I cannot, I cannot have this rose on my patio. The smell is just too much. Really? You've never heard it before. Yep. And he wanted to swap his black caviar. I was more than happy because <laughs> he'd planted them into these beautiful big tubs and I took his black caviar and he took a couple of my other eight-inch pots as a replacement for his black caviar, which he could not stand the perfume from. What but a lot it, of people, what's it smell like? There is that heavy myrrh fragrance oh, that right. some people can associate with possibly um, old-fashioned toilet cleaners and things like that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, okay. and that's a very real symbolic uh, recurrence sort of smell that people think, oh, my God, I can't handle that. You find it with some of the David Austins. People just balk at the at the fragrance. There's a rose that we've got up there at the nursery. I don't think it's even listed. Limona, uh, a cut flower type thing, and it has that same fragrance. And mm. You should see the reaction of some people when you let them because I think it's very pretty and I think I, I, I like that fragrance. But they're absolutely – and it's it's like an age group. Right. Um, I don't think we have cleaners that smell like that anymore, but it's like a very old toilet cleaner product okay. that, that has, a, has a symbolic similarity to yes. the rose perfume. So, Diana – I wanted, you know, Mr. Lincoln's a lovely, as a good upright rose. Yep. 
that's what I was looking for. I wanted to... I, I thought, will I go and buy another one? No, there's too much out there. You're right on the money if you go for firefighter, Pam. Mm. All right. Okay. Great big, tall bush, uh, huge, long stems, delightful yeah. all round. Absolutely delightful. Okay. Thank you for your recommendation, Diana. Good Are on you, you going to be at the um, International Flower and Garden Show? No, we won't be at the International Flower and Garden Show. We'll be at. Uh, Tesla's on the weekend of the 11th and 12th of April and we signed up the other day we're going to be part of the new garden and horticulture festival that's going to be held in October the weekend of the 9th to 11th of October over at the showgrounds all right and I think gardeners you need to look out for this one I think it's going to be an amazing event um that incorporates everything about gardening, every aspect of gardening, from children to plants to animals to food, uh, everything under one great big banner held over at the the, uh, Melbourne Showgrounds. And do keep that weekend free. It'll be spring in Melbourne and the 9th to the 11th. I, I seriously believe that this is going to be a festival for the true gardeners, mm. like oh. the achievable, uh, get out there, see the true plantsmen. What we were talking about when we started the show this morning, you know, go to Fernie Creek today and you talk to the salt-of-the-earth gardeners, um, the people who are creating the plants, who are in the industry, who are there, you know, doing the hard slog, if you like, mm. uh, creating the plants like Sue here. Um, they are the people that you want and, and, I, and, and I what the public need access to that. And spring is just such an obvious time to have a, exactly. a, a plant fair. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So it's not going to compete in any way with Melbourne International Flower and Garden not Show. At all. It's going to be totally different. It's a totally different yes. concept of gardening. Yes. What it is, it's bringing... You know, the likes of our smaller shows, what goes on at Tesla's, what goes on at Fernie Creek, what goes on over at Jindavik. Bringing that all together in one place, putting all these wonderful plants together, making it accessible to the public. I hope they have a plant crèche at this new festival. I'm going to encourage them to do that. So you can go there, you can buy something, you can go home feeling like I had a great day out and look, I've got this and I'm going to add that to my garden. And I think that's what we really need uh, if, if we're going to draw the crowds, bring it all together under one banner and put it out at the Melbourne Showgrounds fantastic location mm. heaps of car parking heaps of you know trans- public just transport space. just so mm. so ideally so ideally located mm. so that's what we're doing this year Pam and no we, we're not doing Melbourne International okay I might have to come down and visit you I think that would be a good life. idea that way and you get personalised attention, Pam. Yes, and talk to Graham about the chooks. Yes. Absolutely do that. <laughs> Good All on you, right, Pam. Okay. Cheerio. See you later, and thank you very much, Diana. Bye. Bye. My pleasure. Well, I'm delighted to say that uh, online we have Noel Weatherly. Good morning, Noel. Good morning, Pam. How are you? Oh, I'm well, and happy International Women's Day. Yes, and the same to you and all of your panel people this morning. Ah, thank you. Now, um, I thought it was really fitting. We actually spoke to you, would you believe, seven years ago. My goodness. <laughs> yes, because, again, International Women's Day uh, fell on a Sunday, and, of course, that meant we were doing the gardening show. But it is, uh, it is such... An, impro- uh, an appropriate little group. I want to talk again 
and just keep listeners informed about uh, encouraging women in horticulture. Now, the group actually started up just by a group of women just getting together back in about 2007, didn't it? That's right, yes. It was a group of um, women horticulturists who ran into one another each year at Miscus and they'd stand on a pathway somewhere and catch up and how are you and what have you been doing for the last 12 months and we really should meet more often. Mm. And from that, um, a small group of them, led primarily by Dawn Fleming from Fleming's Nurseries, got together and formed a small committee and then that led to a rather large cocktail function which um, was attended by about some 80 women in horticulture. And from that, a small another committee was formed. The association was incorporated. And today it's a very active group of about 70 to 75 women who um, meet together for social events and personal development events and so forth throughout the year. And it's an opportunity for women working in horticulture or anticipating a career in horticulture to come together and network, mentor one another and so on because a lot of women in horticulture work in isolation. They have their own businesses, often small businesses. They may not have other employees. They work on their own and they don't have the same networking facilities available to them that... that, um, male horticulturists seem to do through larger organisations. Well, horticulture still is, um, by and large, dominated by men in the industry, isn't it? Oh, yes, it's very much a male bastion. Yes. Um, The other thing that the group does, um, and you've hinted at this, is that it's open to such a wide range of women within the horticultural industry, including students. That's correct, yes. Um, they may not. They may still be high school students who are studying um, just one module of agriculture or horticulture in their normal studies, but they're thinking about a career in horticulture and wondering how they go about getting into it, where it might lead in the future, what the career paths and opportunities are for them. So it's great that they come along and talk to people, to women who are already there doing it. Mm. So it, it covers, like, not only women, as I say, who are working in the... We think automatically of retail nursery sales, but um, it covers such a huge gamut. I mean, there's a lot of uh, qualified horticulturalists and landscape architects in the group, but um, it also includes um, florists, fruit and vegetable growers, um, nursery owners, as well as the, the staff that might be working in those nurseries, um, gardening media like you and me. Um, so a really huge range of, of, of women who can finally get a chance to not only catch up and network, but find out what what each other is doing. That's exactly right, Pam, and that's the beauty of the group because um, we do have a broad range from broad acre horticulture right through to very small uh, retail and or, or even production nurseries, very small, but it's it's something that we do at every event that we have. We always, nearly always have a, a guest speaker and an organised program, but we allow plenty of time during the course of an event for people to mix and mingle, uh, meet one another, chat about different aspects. One might have a, you know, an issue about where do I go to find a particular 
type of plant, another one might have an HR problem that she wants to discuss with somebody. So it's always good. There's always plenty of opportunity to talk to one another. Now, you do have quite an active um, events calendar each year. We do, yes. So can you give listeners an idea of of maybe some of the events that are planned for for this year? Okay, on the 22nd of March, for example, we're doing a self-drive, self-guided tour of three beautiful gardens and nurseries in central Victoria, heading off to Lamley, then to the Garden of St Earth at Blackwood and finally to Frogmore. And they're all... It's it's a drop-in when you feel like it type tour. The only part of it that is organised is lunch at St Earth and that's booked in. The next one we're doing is a, a day at Mifkus where we join together. We meet at... A marquee at Mifkus and tour around Mifkus together so that we can all um, share our expertise. Some may be more interested in some areas than others, some know a lot more about it than others. The other thing we do is we do pub nights, which sounds terrible. But it's, <laughs> I think it sounds, it sounds fabulous. Me <laughs> They're good nights. We just um, meet together at a, a, a pub for a bistro meal. We have one coming up in Mornington in May. Well, no, it's not. It's one, that one's in April. But we have one in Mornington in April. We have another one probably in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne in June. And then there's another one coming up later in the year in the western suburbs. So that it, it gives everybody an opportunity to attend one of these nights. And it's just a bistro meal, sitting around a table, having a good chinwag, really. Mm. We also um, conduct personal development forums. We did one last year in which we had four landscape designers, constructors, chatting on different aspects of how they got into their business and how they achieved what they have, how they go about working as women in a very male-dominated sector, and that was very well attended. We have another one coming up later in the the year in, in July for women in small business, and we'll have a forum panel of small business owners as well as some experienced small business mentors, possibly from Small Business Victoria or an organisation like that. So if anyone wants to know what we've got coming up, they can check us out on the web at ewha.com.au and we're also on Facebook. Now, we we should um, mention also in passing, I've I've said how the group is open to students as well, even if they're still at uh, secondary school and just contemplating a career in horticulture, but you do actually have a a scholarship each year. We do. We have a a scholarship, it's worth $500, and it's open to anybody who's studying an approved horticultural course. So that means it's basically a, a TAFE course or a, a, a university course. So it's not a, a secondary school scholarship. No. It's tertiary education. And information about that is also on our website. But we've just recently made that na- renamed that scholarship as the Dawn Fleming Student Scholarship in honour of our founder, and a very lovely lady. Mm, that's very apt. Now, Noel, if if people, if if women are listening to this this morning and they're thinking, oh, I really, uh, you know, I'm 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 working out in the back propagation area of a nursery. I never get to talk to anyone. That sounds great. Um, if they go to the website, 
I'm sure they can probably find information as to how to join the group or maybe they could uh, just go along to one of the pub nights and get to meet everyone and see if the group is for them. Certainly. We do have an application form online. We also have information about the scholarship online. But if the calendar events appeals, then there's information on the calendar of events how, as to how you can get more information by contacting us on an email address or just simply for the pub nights, just turn up. Mm. You would be most welcome. We, we are a, a wide-ranging group of women, but we're always very, very happy to see new faces. Great. And I think there's actually also a membership form there that people can download, isn't That's there? That's correct, yes. Fantastic. Oh, look, I think the group is achieving um, a real need amongst women in horticulture. I, I'm, I'm amazed that nothing like this got set up before, but I get, guess, as you say, women have been working primarily in isolation in the industry and and uh, praise be to Dawn Fleming for, for thinking of getting the group going and, and for a group of enthusiastic women who've, who've jumped on the bandwagon and really really got it up and running. I think it's very much needed and, um, and good luck to the whole group and I hope that some of our listeners might at least be interested <laughs> enough to jump on the, on the website and, and have a bit of an explore and see what else is, is uh, going on with the group. And could you give us the website again? www.ewha.com.au Nice and simple. And Beautiful. thanks very much, Pam, for the opportunity to talk about the group on this very important day. Absolutely. Thanks, Nolan. Thanks, thanks for you uh, making yourself available so early in the morning. My I appreciate pleasure. it. Thanks, Pam. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Okay, let's go to some of our other callers. We have uh, Virginia first in Surrey Hills. Good morning, Virginia, and thanks for waiting. That's okay, thank you. Um, <clears throat> just a couple of questions. Um, when should I prune my apricot and my plum tree? Apricots, they tend to prefer you to prune them in summer. Okay. They can bleed if you prune them at the wrong time, which can so be a bit of a problem. Now. Not too late. I would have... Th- oh, I, mm, think- I think it is a bit late, but mm, um, okay. if it has to be pruned, it has to be pruned. Sure. Um, all right. And, it's and interesting plum- because when I went, when I did hort, it was very much that you pruned in winter. But but it's changed mm. since then. Uh, it's now um, they they prefer a lot more of the pruning to be done in summer. And does that go for your apple tree as well? Uh, no, I think that's fine. In now I, I have well, to. Well, you should be having fruit on your apple trees at this yes. stage. Well, yeah, you that's pick right. and then prune. Because unfortunately, the birds have got to them. So you've got nothing left on the tree? I have one oh. apple that I'm protecting. Right. So. When do we have Graham in again? Uh, he was only in the other week, so not mm. for a while. Yep. But um, I'd, I'd, I'd leave off. For, for most of your fruit trees, I would still stick to the tried and true of, of, of winter, winter when it, they're dormant. But not apricots. But not apricots, mm. yes. And what about plum? Well, plums again. I mean, they've they've just been fruiting. I mean, have you still got fruit on yours? No, they've gone. They've just finished. finished? Yes. Yeah, they've finished a while ago. Look, I'd 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 wait till the weather's cooled down a little bit more, and then then hoe yeah, into yeah. it. Also, think, also think. go and have a look on Doctor Google. Okay, but your apricot definitely summer. Yes. All right. Thank you for that. What about um, we've got codling moth on the apple? 
Right. Uh, the sticky traps, I've heard, have been people have had a fair amount of success with that. Um, there's and also there's also the method of wrapping the trunk um, with something like corrugated um, cardboard, and then you that that traps them in underneath when they're trying to make their way up into up the tree. Into the tree, and so you just remove that collar and burn it, and replace it with another one. So that can also really reduce your population. But you've got Is to keep that, at it. Yeah, sure. Is that the same technique of using hessian? Yes, same okay. idea. And when should I put that on? Early spring. Okay, so early spring for that. Yes. All right. Um, Now, we've got a nectarzine, which we've planted in the ground. I don't know, it's about uh, four foot, five foot tall. But they don't have much flavour and we don't get many from them. It's like one of those dwarfs. Yes, I know know the... You know what I mean? Yes, I know the ones that range... Uh, Fleming's brought them out a few years ago. Yeah, the Trixies or something, yes, I think yes, they're called. Yes, yes, they're all the, mm. the dwarf. They're very, yeah. very upright. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they don't, the fruit doesn't seem to have much flavour in them. And as I said, we don't get many of them. What about, what's your fertiliser program That's what I was with that, say. Virginia? Oh, at, so uh, you think it needs a bit more feed? I think it could think be, so. but I would be using, I'd be exclusively organic, uh, yes. would be my recommendation. And you can very much sweeten fruit um, using your seaweed solutions. Oh, really? It will have an impact on the uh, on the quality of the fruit, um, and be- simply because you're producing a far more sturdy fruit tree. Mm. Okay. It's a healthier. And healthier more, tree and you should get more fruit and sweeter fruit. But you also need more potassium, I suggest. Yeah. Yes. Okay, and and what's a good organic um, fertilizer for them? Banana skins. Okay. That'll give you your potassium. Potassium will be your banana, yeah, your banana yeah. skins. But I'd go for a complete organic fertilizer. Have a look at your local uh, sure. garden centre and be advised. Okay. Um, I yeah, I would go for complete fertilizer and then certainly use your banana peels and and things like that for the for the extra. Mm. Um, but. I think it's much safer if you've got a product that's got everything in it. It's yes. easy to use. It's not I've complicated. Found, I have found sea mungus very good for. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, there you go. So I'd I'd would really um, be conscious of starting a a, a regular feeding regime. Yep. Yes. Coming spring time. Okay. That that'll, that'll right guarantee you will get some more blossoms. Also right. keep up your water to them. Yep. Really yep. get them going. Give yeah. it a bit of TLC. And you don't feed now. Well, there's no point because it's coming into yes. dormancy. Yes. So they're not, it's not going to take it up. You're going to okay. be wasting your, your mm. fertiliser, which is why I'd say start early spring and really give it that bump. Keep going. Yeah. Yes. Late winter. Once the trees are pruned. Late winter, early yeah. spring. Do yeah. the pruning, okay. do the feeding, you know, seaweed solution, let them rest and take that up and, and, uh, and start the- early watering too. All right. The other small one we bought was a mandarin, and we've got that in a pot, but we don't seem to have any joy with it. It just it forms the flowers, uh, the you know the fruit, and they, they either drop or we got one or two last year, but they're very shrimp, you know, small and um, the actual mandarin. That yeah. sounds like it could also be a um, um, a pollination problem. 
If it's in a pot, is it on a veranda or something, not out it, into the garden area? Yeah, it, it doesn't get all day sun. Yes, well, you see, your citrus need sunshine, sun. but they also they need um, good pollination. You need to be somewhere where the bees can be attracted to it when the flowers are there. Yep. We, we've got it sort of near the orange tree. Oh, okay. okay. Right, well, that should be all right. Yep. All right, but it might be Make sure you change your potting mix too. Yeah. And are you adding anything to, you know, to keep the potting mix alive and active? And Why don't yeah. you plant it near your orange tree? Yeah. yeah, we're getting a little bit pushed with space, that was all. Yeah. Right. Um, but, yeah, possibly put it in the ground might do better. I, I think it might, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. A, a good citrus fertiliser twice a year, autumn and springtime for, fer- for your citrus. The other thing you could do is you'll notice that some of the garages, they sell sheep poo and cow poo. Yeah. And if you just threw that, I mean, because the other thing to do is to actually look at your soil, feed your soil rather than feeding your plants. So if you threw over the winter, you just threw the occasional bag of sheep poo or cow poo around your trees. Don't bother digging it in. Just throw it around as a mulch. Okay. And that'll help with the worms. It'll help. Yeah, just reinventing the soil all the mm. time. Actually, citrus love uh, love chicken yep. poo. The chicken. They do too. Yes. Okay. Um, look, I have got one or two more. Is it too too many? Uh, we'll see how we go. I do have okay. a couple of other callers waiting. G- give sure. us one more. It's just a quick one. Yep. Um, we've got an ornamental vine that the pergola needs painting. If we hard prune it back so we can get to this pergola, yep. is that going to be all right for the... It'll be good. Yes, it doesn't mind that. No, just do it, but make, but get your painting done over winter. Yes, do it in winter. Yeah, do it in winter so you can prune it back hard and then the, yes. then it can just take off in spring. Lovely. Oh, look, thank you so it'll much. It'll reinvigorate it, so it'll actually love you for doing it. Oh, okay, that's great news. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay, bye-bye. Pleasure. All the best. Bye-bye. Bye. Right, let's go next to uh, Bernie, who's uh, in Reedsdale. Good morning, Bernie. It's Fermi. Hi. Oh, Fermi. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, look, um, I was just a bit concerned because um, you've given the date for Teslas as being the 11th and 12th, which is what the date I'd really wish they were on because the 18th and 19th is what they're on. Oh, right. And the 18th is, of course, the um, we've got our plant swap up at Fernie Creek. Ah. Yeah, so I really wish they were on the 11th and 12th. <laughs> Right. Okay, Fermi, I've got that totally wrong then. And and you're lucky Don't you told her, Fermi, because thinking. she's going there. Uh. <laughs> well, well you just have a, a buying spree instead of uh, being, being able to talk. That's <laughs> correct. <laughs> they haven't got the current program on yet. They've still got last year's program on the website. Right. So I just thought I'd double check. Because somebody told me yesterday that it was the 18th and 19th because they said they couldn't come to our plant swap. Right. And... Um, Oh, it's called a buy, swap and sell because people can set up stalls and uh, and sell plants as well as swapping if they're members of Fernie Creek. Now, this is an interesting one, Fermi, because um, as you mentioned, they they can actually uh, swap, uh, but that's but then uh, and and the whole day starts at two o'clock. But after yes. three o'clock, I think you're then allowing non-donors, the general public, um, if there's any of those items on the table left yeah. over, they can then purchase some of those as well. That's right, yeah. So it's, it's a very... It's, I mean, last year I think we decided that any item would be $2. So if you imagine getting a huge bulb of amaryllis or something like that for $2. Oh, heavens, yes. Uh, I think somebody actually brought... One day had hemanthus, and I mean, usually pay $20 for something like that. 
Right. But, but uh, yeah, no, it was a, it's, a, it's an idea we came up with to... Um, um, the, I think it was the Rhododendron Camellia Group at Fernie Creek actually came up with it first, which was basically that members would bring their propagated plants that they didn't couldn't accommodate in their own garden. Yes. And then uh, the other members could come and, um, you know, uh, they swap could either them. sell or swap the plants. Yes. So, so we <laughs> decided, well, we'll invite people who uh, have small nursery concerns and um, wouldn't usually get out to a lot of the big uh, bigger events. Right, and they're invited to come and just set up a stall. They only have to; they donate ten percent of their sales mm-hmm. to Fernie Creek as uh, their uh, fee, which is a lot less than um, you'd usually pay for a stall at one of these events. Oh yes, but it's only a one-day event, and it's really only an afternoon, so it's not a long, arduous thing for people. Okay, um, and um, but if you're a member of Fernie Creek, you can, well, even if you're not a member of Fernie Creek, you can set up a stall just for your um, bits and pieces that you um, can't ac- accommodate in your own garden. Fantastic. Yeah. So this is, this is on Saturday the on Saturday 18th of the April, 18th. yes, 2 so, o'clock till 4.30. Yeah. So we'll steal Sue's idea and just say, if you're coming up to Tetsmart, <laughs> come, come over to Fernie Creek. <laughs> it's your gain and Sue's loss. All Fernie. right. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of things happening in the Dandenongs <laughs> each weekend in the, this time of the year because uh, it's, of course, even though it's, it's not that great spring show, but it's the perfect time for buying bulbs and for planting out things. Absolutely. So, of course. Yeah. Of course. Um, and, of course, we should mention that um, up at Fernie Creek you're going to be inside so it doesn't matter what the weather's doing. Yes, that's, that's the other thing. It's oh, no, it's going to be a nice weekend. It's yeah. going to be a lovely weekend, Fermi. <laughs> believe me. We've booked that definitely with God. Oh, <laughs> 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 and, um And the other thing, of course, that uh, Virginia, I think, might have mentioned earlier um, that... Um, the, the sale up at uh, Fernie Creek today is, um, uh, was there yesterday as well is uh, really quite good. There's, there's quite a lot of different things. It was Not a really good day, was, I thought, yeah. Fermi. Mm. Not everything that was there last year, unfortunately. Some people um, um, didn't feel that uh, the, a two-day event was uh, worth it. Um, Gary Reed is usually our events, but um, uh, last year there was, it was such a hot day in the second day that... Um, uh, you know, I think uh, a lot of the, the retailers only sold about $50 worth. Oh, right. doesn't make it worthwhile. But this weekend is just perfect for a, a buying spree. I, I think we came back with a car full of things. So. <laughs> I, I, I thought it was a lovely day, and I thought there was a really, really interesting group of people selling there. It's, I, I would advise anybody listening to go up to Fernie Creek today. It was a good day. Yes, and it was good to finally meet you in person, Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Bernie. So, so many years over the phone. Okay. Okay, thanks, thanks a lot. Thanks for all of that, Fermi. Okay, bye. bye. See ya. All right, let's go next to uh, Anne in Oak Park. Good morning, Anne. Uh, good morning, panel. Uh, I want to talk about fruit trees this morning. Uh, the birds have planted... Uh, some plum, nectarine and a peach tree in my backyard all doing quite well. Oh, well. Especially the peach tree, which has medium-sized peaches. They're pale orange and they have the most sweet, most beautiful taste and all we've done is water them. Wow. So uh, I want to know, with the wild fruit trees, when, what should I do in the best time to fertilise them to help them along a bit? Spring. 
Spring. Early spring. When the sap first starts rising, get them going. Right, and I also plan to plant uh, two apple trees, a lemon tree and an apricot tree. Now I've got... Then you'll have to set up a greengrocer. Uh, well, these are small trees. Yes. And I plan to look after them. And is carmineur, blood and bone and peat moss okay to fertilise them? Fine, perfect. Oh, okay then. Well, that's about all, panel. This okay. Morning. Thank you so just, much. Just make sure you prepare your soil well before um, you yes. go in and purchase the trees. Yes, we're going to. Okay, excellent. Good Thank on you, you very much. Bye. 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 And uh, next up, we're going to uh, Inga, who's in Chen- Cheltenham. Good morning, Inga. Uh, good morning. Uh, Diana, the, the rose lady? Yes. Uh, Diana, I have just bought uh, my first roses. Yes. And um, I wish to... Well, I have put them into the garden. Yeah. Um, but I need some advice, please. The garden has pebbles on it. Is yes. it okay to leave them around the base of the of the um, uh, roses? Yes, of course you can. Yes. Yep. And also, I noticed in the last few weeks... Uh, they have a um, little bit of black spot and also I think it may be mildew. Okay. And uh, on one rose in particular, which is called limelight, do you know that one? I do. Yes. It it, it's, it, it has a lot of uh, buds and uh, the, the low, a, lot, a lot of leaves, but some of the leaves are starting to fall. That would be what limelight would do. Okay. Inga... One of the most important things, yes. uh, you must never water past lunchtime. Oh, early okay. morning. Early morning right. only. I'm guessing that you're out there with the hose after dinner or around yes. dinner time. Yes. Okay. Yes. You need to reverse that program entirely. Right. Uh, that, is, that is possibly the reason that you're getting this problem. Um, and I hope other listeners are listening to that little bit of advice about watering. Um, you you definitely turn the taps on in the morning if you're watering, and you mustn't water every day. Right. Uh, the idea is to, to water once a week and deliver around 20 litres of water per rose per week. What, uh, well, maybe a couple of buckets per uh, That's per what rose 20 litres is. Oh, Two buckets. Right. Yeah. And if you can, if you're going to water with the hose, just with the hose, what yeah. I recommend you do yeah. is uh, go to the tap with a bucket. Yeah. Time how long it takes you to fill the ten litre bucket. Yes. Now whether you time it on your wrist or you go one, two, three, four, okay. like that. Yeah. And in that way, you'll know by holding the hose at the base of the plant, you will know. When you've delivered 10 or 20 litres of water. Oh. And then you don't water that plant again for the week. Oh, that, that's very good. And it's <laughs> way, it's much, it's much more environmentally sustainable. You're saving water. Yeah. And it's but just the easier. the plant is so much better for right. that deep soaking. Right. If you think about it, the water that you might deliver on a daily basis, you're only going to deliver, say, a couple of litres, maybe five litres. That's sitting in the upper storey of the plant, of the soil. Mm. It's not way deep in the soil where the roots of the plant are. Right. So deep soaking is absolutely imperative. Oh, thank you. And, and also, what about some food? Absolutely. 
when? Uh, roses are, are good feeders. Um, look, I I always would recommend uh, that you use liquid seaweed over the foliage once a fortnight thereabouts. Okay. It works. Okay. Uh, strengthens the cell wall in the foliage, makes the plant more tolerant, increases the flower quality and number of flowers. But just overall, you get great plant health as a result of that. So once but you, a fortnight. Yeah, but you still need fertiliser. Seaweed solution is not fertiliser, it is a tonic. Oh. So you still need a fertiliser. Now, whether you like to put a liquid fertiliser into that seaweed tonic that you're using, you mm. can do it that way, or you use some sort of pelletised um, fertiliser product. In, around on the ground. Yep, and you do that once every 8 to 12 weeks. Okay. Now, if because of the pebbles, it, can I just... Go straight down through the pebbles. It'll go straight down. Go straight so, down. Uh, and how often did you say? To, uh, to about 12 weeks? Yeah, that 8 one? to 12 weeks. Okay. So it's light feeding, but frequently. Okay. And, and Diane, just one more thing. Not very far from the rose, there are some English box, you yep. call it. Yep. Um, is that all right? That's fine. Keep them trimmed. Okay, the, the, the roots won't hurt with the... Not at all. Oh, that's no. very good. No, they're very oh, compatible lovely. with each other. Oh, thank you. You have saved me some time and some water too. There you go. <laughs> good on you, Inga. You enjoy. Thank you very much indeed. Bye-bye okay. now. Bye. Bye. Sorry. Well, online we've got our good friend, Graham Morrison. Good morning, Graham. Good morning, good morning, Pam. And Just the person there. we need. Okay, that's all right. Yeah, with the deciduous fruit trees, once upon a time, you know, you just did it in winter time when they, you know, that was the correct time to, to do it. Now there's so much of that pruning done through the summer. It saves a lot of your pruning through the through the winter time, and uh, so you know, half back on uh, the, the, the lateral sort of makes branch and more likely to, give, to provide fruit, but. Uh, uh, the, the exception, well, still, still the, the main pruning time is through the winter time. But the exception is apricots because apricots get gamosis, yes. and if you prune them in the winter time, it tends, it tends to spread the, 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 the disease around. So, uh, certainly, like you said, Pam, late summer and certainly to to, to middle autumn is fine. So the lady could, uh, you know, do her apricot this time of the year. Okay, yeah. that's fantastic, yeah. Graham. Yeah, the other thing I was going to say, if you don't mind, uh, just, you know, I'm uh, an ad- advocate for women run, run, running businesses and such, and a, a great example was that of, of Ern Humphreys, who ran Humphreys Big, Big Nursery. Yes. He, he died prematurely, and, and, and men th- thought she might take, take over the reins. And uh, I know a pretty uh, well-known uh, leader of our industry uh, advised her not to. She says it's not, not really a lady's world. Uh, when uh, decided to have a go, and uh, she was so successful, she, she ran that nurseries, the wholesale nurseries, up at uh, Murrell Bark uh, until just recently when she un- unfortunately did not Well, she was a, a, a ripe old age when she died, but ran it so successfully, and it's a big, you know... Oh, it's n- a huge n- concern, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just a, a credit to that that lady who stuck in there and did such a great job. Fantastic. Good, Good on, on you, Graham. Good on you, Graham. Okay. Good on you. Okay. See okay. You, bye. See ya. My Graham's been out pruning our fruit trees. Like he, Has he? He's taken the tops out of all the pears, 
all the nashy. They're laden with fruit, mm. okay. laden with fruit, but he's trimmed the tops. And what it does, it just makes the tree a, a, a compatible size with him as yes. well. Yes. You know, you're not, you're not letting this you thing just keep on, on going and going mm. and yes. going. Mm. Yes. Um, so it's, it's not a dangerous thing. And I, I think that's important that people keep that in mind too. Mm. Um, and I also think if it, if it feels good in your gut, do it. I don't know whether you believe in that. But I do. I certainly yeah. do. And yes. I've never really stepped wide of a mark. Um, if I felt something was right to do, mm-hmm. um, it's almost like it's divine intervention or whatever. It seems to be the right thing to do. Yes. And I follow okay. my gut, my instinct, and that intuitive stuff does work. Women are good at it. Oh, they are. They are. <laughs> uh, now, we've been asked by someone on the outside line if I could repeat uh, the contact numbers for the um, Australian Garden History Society's uh, Yarra Valley Coach Trip. Now, um, if you'd like to uh, get further inquiries, you can speak to Lisa Tuck. Her phone number is 0418-590-891. That's 0418-590-891. Or if you want to um, jump online and book for that uh, trip, you go to www.trybooking.com forward slash capitals GS. T-N. So, again, I'll give that www.trybooking.com forward slash capital letters G-S-T-N. Okay, and that should be a great day. Now, I've got two, um, two notices that are giving you a little bit of advance notice, but um, I think it's important to mention uh, both of these. Uh, firstly... There is um, a very, very interesting talk coming up at uh, the Royal Botanic Gardens down in Cranbourne. Now, this will be taking place at 2 o'clock on Sunday, the 22nd of March, so it's not all that long away. 2 o'clock, 22nd of March, in the Gardens Auditorium. Now, um, it's uh, all about a very wonderful conservation program that's starting to reap rewards after many years of work. Dr. Nushka Rita from the Royal Botanic Gardens in Cranbourne will be giving a talk about the garden's new partnership with the Australian Network for Plant Conservation and the establishment of the Orchid Conservation Centre for Rare and Threatened Orchids. Now, Nushka's research laboratory was located from Horsham down to RBG Cranbourne in December uh, last year and uh, donations by individuals and community groups have enabled the purchase of equipment for the Orchid Conservation Centre down there. Now, this is a groundbreaking program. It's responsible for the propagation and reintroduction of some of southeastern Australia's most threatened orchids. And uh, Nusha and her group have been perfecting very specialised propagation techniques for federally, federally endangered orchids enabling the successful propagation of around 30 uh, federally listed orchids. And over the last few years, there's been a large-scale reintroduction of threatened orchids that have been undertaken back into the wild. Now, um, Nushka is going to be talking about this whole uh, conservation program 
uh, as I said, at 2 o'clock on Sunday, the 22nd of March, down at the Cranbourne Gardens in the auditorium there. Um, you enter Bellato Road off the South Gippsland Highway, south of the Cranbourne, Cranbourne Town Centre, and proceed to the Australian Garden Car Park and follow the signs. Now, entry to the talk is simply by donation, but if you would like further information about the event, you can phone eight double seven four two four eight three. That's eight double seven four two four eight three. The other event I need to quickly mention is uh, that uh, up at uh, Stephen's Garden, they're going to be holding a garden soiree in the gardens at Tagurium. And uh, this is uh, an afternoon of opera, wine and canapes. Can you think of anything nicer? <laughs> <laughs> it's 2 o'clock for a 2.30 start, again on Sunday, March the 22nd. Um, now, uh, it's $35 per person, which I think is amazing for... for it's very reasonable. Yes, opera, wine and canapes, mm. all in Stephen's Garden, which would be fantastic. Now, if you want a book for that one... Again, it's a try booking uh, uh, inquiry. You go to www.trybooking.com forward slash capitals HBXM. So that's capitals HBXM. Or if you'd like to make inquiries, uh, you can uh, either um, email admin at theoperastudio.com.au or the phone number is 0474-536-375. And, of course, Stevens Garden is at 8 Centenary Avenue in Macedon, but parking is in Marshall Avenue there. So um, that should be a great event. The other thing I'd just like to mention is next weekend is the uh, Herb and Chili Festival in Wandon at 125 Quail Road. It costs 25 to go in, but it's a huge amount of music. There's all sorts of things to do, so I really advise you to try and spend the whole day there. You actually get a free show bag, I think, for the $25 too. You do. Yeah, yes, yeah. which is amazing. We've just got time to go to one last caller, and we have Sue, who's down in Druin. Good morning, Sue. Oh, hello. No, it's Deline. Oh, right, Denise. That's all right. Um, look, I was listening and I was in bed and I went off to sleep. But the woman who was actually talking about um, the native um, propagating and everything like that. Yes, that's yep. Sue. Um, is, um, where is her nurse? Where is the nursery? Or is it um, a retail, I mean, a wholesale one only? We're a wholesale nursery um, oh, okay. on Clegg Road in Mount Evelyn. But twice a year, we usually, actually next weekend, we usually have a sale. Oh, uh, where we're I can't. <laughs> yeah, but we're not actually having it next weekend is what I was going to say. Oh. Because we're so busy, yes. I think we'll probably be postponing it. I'm hoping that um, we won't miss it sometime towards the end of April. But if not, we usually have one. Um, the end of March, usually on the Mifka sort of weekend, and we also have a sale um, the first and second week of November. Okay. But um, our plants are available through the uh, retail um, sector. Yeah, but which retail? Because yes. I'm up the country and I, our, I... I've got a list of nurseries um, that are out 
everywhere. I'm just trying to find what's closer, though. What about if you just give you your website? Yes. Actually, if you get on to www.bushmagic. Bushmagic. Yes, okay. or, or Bushland Flora. Or Bushland Flora. It, it, it would, I, I'd say you'd be able to get the outlets, or I'll give you our phone number, yeah. which is 9736 4364. Yeah. Or three, six, four. Yes, I've actually got about 15 of them in front of me, but I can't find a nursery that's close to... Now, so have a look on... Anyone in Pakenham? Have a look at the website. Okay. That's by yeah. far the most efficient way to do it. Okay. All okay. Right, Thank you. And, and, and also we... ring them. Yes, yes. And, right. and we will, when, when, when any sales come up, we will certainly uh, mention them here on the program. Oh, that's great. Okay. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. Bye. See ya. Well, I'm afraid we've actually totally run out of time. It's been a very interesting International Women's Day. Indeed, Pam. Um, it's been great to have a panel of women. I've yeah. totally enjoyed it. Um, of course, we'll be uh, back again next week as usual, but a big thank you to the panel and also a huge thank you to Jenny who's been handling all the calls this morning. Um, as I said, we'll be back next week at uh, 7.30. Until then, bye for now. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.